A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to the Second Age, where the Lorehounds, your guides to the uh, world of Middle Earth, uh, Tolkien's grand story. Um, I'm David. I'm John. And we have just watched episodes one and two of The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. And this is our instant take. John. Now, David. Yeah. Are, are you sure that this is the Second Age podcast? Because I saw a lot of First Age stuff going on here. Well, I was gonna, we were going to talk about that. Um, <laughs> how are you feeling otherwise? What's, what's your initial hot take? Uh, I, I think it was great. I, I, I genuinely think it was great. I, I thought that I went in with a lot of nerves because, <laughs> because. You know, when you're watching these trailers... Especially with the Harfoot stuff, I got really nervous that they were just trying to do marketability over depth, and I think that we saw a really good level of depth. I, when I heard the name Owlay, I was like, "Oh, oh, we're 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 going for it. We're we're naming Valar now. We're we're going back, uh, discussing Morgoth. We're not holding back anything for maybe like people who've only seen the Lord of the Rings movies. We're walking people into this and holding their hand." Uh, but bringing them deeper into the Tolkien lore than they would have been previously. What do you think about it? Yeah, I feel like uh, I just ran a marathon. I'm a, a bit exhausted. Uh, <laughs> I am a bit overwhelmed. I feel a little bit like uh, Galadriel in the ocean here. Um, mm. There was so much to see and so much to try to to track as a person you know doing podcasting and trying to do this analysis stuff there's like this dual world that you have to live in you're trying to pay attention to all the details but then you're also just trying to enjoy the experience that what you're watching and when i wasn't panicking about trying to track all the details and think about what questions we were going to ask you tonight uh i was just really taken by the visual splendor that um they are giving us the the detail and the and the depth to the the, the production design uh, the costuming the mm-hmm. sets the post production is incredible they are you know every penny that has gone into this you can see it on the screen and um, 
I too was really taken aback by the fact that they talked about Morgoth, that they talked about the Silmarils, that they, t- they talked about the the smithing of the Silmarils. They, mm-hmm. you know, they they are pulling stuff that I didn't think that they would be able to pull uh, into yeah. the storyline, and yet there is this massive open ground that they're running with with uh, Arondir's uh, story, even Galadriel's story. Um, uh, the Elvish story, like there is so much space within what was written and what they have access to that they, and it really does feel like they are the inheritors of the the Tolkien legacy. I, I, I don't, I don't feel like they've done us dirty. I feel like they've done us good. Yeah, and I'll say this. Uh, we were talking with Aaron on the Feedback Podcast about, I think he mentioned, we're worried about not having any kind of, like, little bit of comic relief. There's plenty of comic series. relief, yeah. Yeah, there was a good amount of humor, and, and it didn't feel out of place either. I thought it was mostly well-placed. John, um, I'm monitoring chat a, a little bit here. Um, we definitely should uh, talk about that comic relief thing, but there's a big question that's popping up in the spoiler discussion channel of uh, for Rings of Power, and I think it's I think it's a valid place for us to uh, get into a little bit more of our um, uh, our instant take on the in the Lorehounds arena, and that is, can anyone explain the opening? Uh, Leela asked that question, and um, I think that that opening really is an important thing that we need to address, the cold open. Okay, yeah. So we did talk about this a little bit on probably the prologue, probably a little bit on the elves chapter. And the biggest thing I would say is you have to understand about the trees, which are, you know, I always said follow the trees in this Second Age podcast. Uh, so the original trees were Telperion and Lorelin. They were these trees created by the Valar, uh, which are um, giving light to the world. They're, they're sort of a sunny one. There's a moony one. And uh, they, they are the original lights of the world before the sun and the moon even existed. And the way that elves are divided, like we talked about in the elves episode really has a lot to do with, did they see this light? Did they live in it? Did they stay there? Did they leave it? And um, so so there's sort of like a wisdom and wholesome and goodness to this light, and that's what was there. And what you saw was Morgoth, which was the big bad of the First Age, uh, who is one of the Valar, who, who went rogue. He's the Lucifer Satan character. He and Ungoliant, who is an ancestor of Shelob, the, the big spider in the Lord of the Rings, uh, destroyed the two trees, because they just hate the other Valar and they want the world to be dark. And so they, while they don't give us the details of exactly how all that happened, they give us that, um, they set up the, um, the, the, the bad guy, I guess you could say. I mean, in, in Morgoth, is, they're going to have to explain further what happened with Morgoth. Mm-hmm. Um, because they don't answer that question. I mean, they give us Sauron as a uh, result, as a as the, the the student of or the inheritor of, of mm-hmm. Morgoth, and we have Galadriel hunting uh, Sauron, but we never find out what happens with Morgoth. And so that's one of those things that 
that's going to be a big question mark in the show, in the ex, in in what they do with the the storyline. Are they going to answer those questions? Right, and so Morgoth actually was stationed in the north of Middle Earth in Thangaradrim with his fortress Engband underground, and that's why Galadriel, 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 sorry, mm-hmm. uh, is going north and and going further and further north. I have to go further north and find out where Sauron went. So nobody's even thinking about looking in the south because that's never been an area where it was an issue. Right. And uh, I, I I will say this: uh, if you have questions, we will take voice questions at the end. But if you want to type questions in, feel free to post it where Layla was just posting questions, which is spoiler discussion and hype under the Rings of Power channel. Yes. Um. So that's an interesting thing too. So so um, is that in terms of Galadriel's storyline from the books? How far are we deviating here for the TV show from um, what we had in the books with her? Oh, we're wildly out of it. Okay. So uh, let's just have fun, guys. I mean, come on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's, what's Tolkien without a little fun? Yeah, we're, we're totally in made-up land right now, and that's okay, okay with me. Right. Uh, I mean, so the backstory is all real. Um, her brother Finrod. I think we're gonna maybe do a focus on Finrod for our lore cast. I think that'll be great um, to, because that, if she's gonna be our one of our primary uh, protagonists, to understand her motivation, I, I think that's a really good idea. Is to understand what happened with her brother. Right. Finrod was uh, a lord. He was Finrod Feligund. He was big on uh, friendship with the dwarves. He had a kingdom of Nargathrond. I know a lot of big words here. It's okay. We'll break them down on the lore cast. Uh, and uh, he was fighting Morgoth and Sauron, and he uh, ended up being killed by one of Sauron's werewolves because Sauron was the lord of werewolves in the first age. Uh, you know, continues to to have some good werewolf action through the other ages, but but it was really big on that werewolf stuff in the first age. And anyway, so if you see the scratches on him in that shot, mm-hmm. that's because he was killed by a werewolf. Right. Super interesting. Um, so I think we'll do more on that in our in our lore cast. Which I, when now let's t- uh, let's step back here really quick just for some administrative. Um, uh, attend to a few administrative things here. So what is the schedule of release of the bald move coverage of um, Rings of Power? So I'm not sure when the feedback episode is coming out, but here's what I do know. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tonight we're doing our instant take. Right. Not sure if we're going to do the future ones because we think they're going to come out at midnight and we don't want to do that. And I'm sure you guys aren't going to stay up till 2 a.m. doing this. Um but uh, the, the, on Fridays, every Friday, you're going to have a Jim and Aaron podcast where they do a full breakdown, full, you know, bald move treatment. And uh, on Mondays, you're going to get the lore cast, which is going to be our uh, deep dive into one or two aspects of the lore that come up in each episode. Great. And then probably sometime around Wednesday or Thursday, they'll uh, they have to juggle it with uh, House of the Dragon um, right. about when it comes out. But, uh, yeah, that'll that'll work now just for everybody uh, listening now and uh, in the future um, to email Jim and Aaron for your feedback. It's going to be ROP at baldmove.com. That's rings of power ROP uh, at baldmove.com. And to uh, email John and I, it's going to be, uh, what is it? I forgot our uh, second age at baldmove.com. That's it. That's the one. And then of course we're here on, on the discord. 
uh, for people to reach out to us and on Twitter at the Lorehounds. Um, so what next, what are some other lore related things that jumped up at you that you think are going to be interesting and things that we should take further look at? So we actually have a good question to segue with that okay. in the chat from BP Strader. We have best guesses on the stranger oh, after God. watching. Seems like one of the wizards. Yeah. All right. So remember when he said his only two words in the whole episode, Ure Mana? Uh-huh. I, I looked it up during the episode. Oh, nice. That is Quenya. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, Ure means heat. Uh-huh. And it can be conjugated to mean fire. And Mana means blessed. Uh, and then if you, add, well, so with an accent, it's blessed. They didn't do it with an accent in the subtitles, but that could have just been subtitle nonsense. Um, and it, it, it could also mean like, what is, so it could be what, what is the heat mm-hmm. or it could mean blessed heat, blessed fire. Could that be the sacred fire that Gandalf's referring to? I am a circuit servant of the secret flame, uh, which is Eru Iluvatar's, you know, essence basically. Right. Uh, or, or is that, or is he asking, why am I hot? What, what is this heat? You know, why, why am I hot? What is this fire? Right. Uh, so I think one or the other, but he's speaking Quenya, so he's coming from the west. I think. I, I, I think he's almost certainly one of the Astari at this point. Now, do you think that so they're they're doing a lot with the coding of him, right? They're giving us like uh, mm-hmm. an eye shape in the fire. Um, he shapes the fireflies into a constellation, but then all the fireflies die. We see him whispering to the fireflies, just like uh, Gandalf whispered to a moth uh, when he was uh, stuck in Saruman's uh, tower. Um, and so they're they're but they're playing back and forth between is he Sauron or is he Sauron or is he not? And um, one of the things that I noted was that they they coincided the meteor streaking relative to Galadriel and her cadre um, approaching Valinor. Yeah. Um- so we we had a lot of Valinor this episode. I'll Oof. say that I, I was I was really surprised. It yeah. came up a lot. Uh, Galadriel getting invited back to Valinor, uh, as as Layla points out in the uh, in the chat here, uh, very non-canon. Uh, there there's actually that was one of the things that that wrinkled me a little bit. Um, I I think that Galadriel's journey as to forgiving herself for the the sins of the first age sort of. Uh, and, and deciding that she's ready to go back to Valinor mm-hmm. in the Third Age after the Lord of the Rings. I think that's a huge part of the journey okay. uh, for her, and that's a huge part of her development. So that was the, the one non-canon thing that really I was like, mm, I don't know if that's really with the character. Right. Uh, but but in general, I think that they've set up a good character with interesting motivations. Uh, this Finrod thing, I can't let go of my war. Uh, yeah. I, I can't let go of this enemy. Gilgalad, real big politician here manipulating her to, to, into going away while knowing that Sauron's out there. Right. And and worried that her seeking him out is actually going to be a catalyst for uh, his comeback. Yeah, I, I don't get that. I, mm. I, he, maybe, maybe he needs to explain it better to Elrond and then, and then by, <laughs> right. by uh, association us. Uh, speaking of Elrond, um, what is your uh, instant take on the Elrond aspect of the story? I found some nice twist. They were they were leading us one direction with the trailers and the teasers, and then they flipped it a little bit. Uh, and I thought that was quite nice. What did you think? 
Uh-oh. Wonderkind El- El- Elrond is uh, growing. Hang on one second. Um, we, I've got a, we've got a uh, Aaron Hubbard alert. Uh, we've got Aaron in the chat. Aaron Hubbard's in the chat. Yeah, that's great. Does let's he want to? Does he want to come on and, and chat with us? I'm going to try and. Oh, bring he's him raising in. his hand. Yeah, there let's, he is. Okay. Aaron. John, on a scale of like one to ten, how close to the lore was this? Because I kind of felt like <laughs> a little bit all over the place, but I didn't mind it. I thought it was all pretty, really cool. Uh, I, I I'd say generously, it was like a six on the accuracy to lore scale, but like it was fun and and yeah. it was good, and, and I think some, it got to the spirit of it, so that's okay. Maybe some smart simplification, and also the ex, uh, expansion because like I guess this whole Aaron Deer, which fucking awesome name by the way, that mm-hmm. whole character and the whole set that part of the setting is based on like two sentences in the appendix, something about the elves never forgot their grudges against the men who fought for Morgoth or whatever. So mm-hmm. that's like, they got this. Uh, I, I thought there, yeah, it's, it's a lot of good stuff. Um, I'm going to sit down and rewatch it. The first one and right now and take some notes and then get up early tomorrow and uh, do the second one. So I get the podcast, but yeah, what, what, what are you guys thinking? I, I, I thought it was, but, um, so also meteor man, it's either <laughs> we were just talking. or fucking Gandalf. There's no in between, right? I I want it to be a blue wizard. Uh, what you guys? What what did uh, what did you guys think? John, go ahead. Yeah, I thought it was really great. I thought it was uh, again like not totally lore accurate, but but more lore accurate than I expected it to be. More first stage content than I expected it to be. Yeah. Uh, amazing shots. Oh my god, were, were, were the visuals amazing? Um, I, I think even the non-canon stuff was so engaging that I was with it anyway. Yeah. And, uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing more of this. Yeah. I thought the Harfoots were really cool. These kind of like, you know, primitive rustic hobbit ancestors. I thought Kazakh doom with the reflecting, uh, gardens was so freaking awesome. Uh, you know, there was a there's a there was at least one Legolas surfing down a staircase for me, and that was <laughs> uh, Galadriel running up the sword and doing kind of like I don't know Superman knee move. I thought that was kind of like, a, but that, you know, the elves do that sometimes. I guess uh, they'll surf down a staircase on a shield. Um, but yeah, I thought like that that prologue was just badass man it reminds like i was i was watching this i was thinking man this is this is stoking the same kind of like warhammer 40k vibes like there's just like unfathomable odds and evil forces arrayed against you and i was like you know what lord of the rings is kind of like the bizarro warhammer where like (laughs) it's all this crazy shit against monsters and horrifying warlocks but like everything just kind of works out in that universe where Warhammer, everything just kind of goes to shit. But like, it's just like that epic high fantasy scale, you know, fuck all this realistic leather and boiled leather and ring mail armor. We're just going to have silver helmets that don't make any sense. Right. Elves climbing, uh, (laughs) Uh, frozen waterfalls in plate in full plate mail <laughs> yeah and we're gonna have smoking daggers with evil runes that you know like something out of you know Con- it's more like conan the barbarian or, or you know warcraft yeah. or stuff i i yeah i it's a great compliment so far to the first two episodes of the game to uh, house of the dragon i thought 
my uh, I, I, I'm on, worried about Jim though. I'm worried yeah. about Jim because holy hell, <laughs> high fantasy. This is very high fantasy, but it's also I think it's a very well constructed story. I didn't ever feel any gaps in what they were building and what they were laying the 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 tracks that they were laying down for me. There was never a wasted shot, I felt. Um, all of the acting and the dialogue all had purpose and direction. And it's moving. I felt like I was being moved in the direction that they want me to move in. And that felt to me uh, in a level of master craftsmanship that, um, that you know, in fantasy and sci-fi is very easily lost. Yeah. So uh, hopefully, Jim, I mean, once we get the story moving in the direction, uh, hopefully, I mean, you know, and certainly with episode two, we're setting the stakes, right? You know, the, the, the evil and the danger is emerging and, and we've got some uh, we've got uh, multiple uh, points for dramatic tension. And now we've got some setup to see some things resolve. What's going on with Meteor Man? What's going to happen with the dwarves? You know, we've got a mystery with the dwarves, with Mithril. And what, you know, who is who found Halbrand and, and Galadriel in the water and what's how that's going to play out. So I think they did a really good job in giving us two episodes that really tr- are going to set up and trigger the, the next round of action for season one. You know, one of the best things in The Lord of the Rings is there's so many different battlefronts. And so, you know, the, the dwarves are fighting Sauron's forces up at, at Erebor at the same time that the elves and the men are, are fighting in elves are fighting in Lothlorien. Uh, men are fighting in Gondor. And here, I think we have the same thing where you're seeing all these different uh, factions facing off against these burgeoning threats. Did you guys see the Jim's in the audience? I did. I Jim's just re- in the audience. I did. I requested him to speak, but uh, he—I don't know if he declined on purpose or declined <laughs> on. He said, "Fuck off." <laughs> Basically, <laughs> I'm still gonna watch it two more times and talk about it for God knows how many hours tomorrow. I'll give him another invitation if he wants to join in. He can. Yeah, you guys look uh, like I was. I wasn't going to. I forgot that my son has tomorrow off in addition to Monday, so like I can uh, pay up a little bit later. So I'm I'm burning the midnight oil because I, I was I was pumped to talk about it because like I, I'm just relieved, man. I'm so happy that both of these series yeah, are off yeah. strong starts. Like I was really, you know, I I, I tend to <laughs> prepare for the worst. I'm like, man, what's it's going to really be a rough a rough fall if both of these shows kind of but like me and they are and they're so different because like people are going to say like yes. so who won the first two episodes and i'm like man they're both just crushing what they're trying to do it's like trying to compare soccer and basketball they both involve balls but uh and you're both trying to score goals but like the 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 mechanism is so vastly different um, I, I tell you what, though, I will say the Rings of Power is a flavor that I've not quite seen before. Mm. You know, it's like the prologue of Lord of the Rings just for eight hours. I mean, for for, for two <laughs> solid hours, like this just beautiful high fantasy mythos stuff, man. I know. And, 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 yeah, yeah, it feels ancient. Yeah. And, uh, Go ahead. So, so many freaking cool. Like, I thought almost everything looked rock solid, too. Like the visuals and the. Post-production is gorgeous. I don't think we've seen 
Yeah, except for for uh, the Lord of the Ring movies, I don't know that we've seen anything this gorgeous on on television, and it I feel like I'm in a fantasy world. I don't feel like I'm in Game of, Game of Thrones where you can smell the 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 blood and the piss and the boiled leather. You know, I feel like wow when I see that light from the trees, you know, from Valinor, like I feel yeah, like I'm in Valinor. Was, oh, that was so freaking cool. Yeah. Somebody asked a question that in note, chat about oh, uh, Valinor. Yeah, sorry, I was I was about to read that. Yeah, perfect. The, Go for the, it, John. Josh the Black. Yes. Uh, the whole bright light they were sailing into was that Valinor. It came across to me as being some sort of place they could not come back from. Can you talk about that a bit? Yeah. All right. Valinor. We did go over it in, uh, I think, the prologue of the Second Age, and we also talked about it in the Elf chapter because that's a big part of Elvish history. Uh, Yeah, so Valinor is where the two trees were. They're not there anymore, but it's still this holy land. It's the Undying Lands. Uh, It's it's where Frodo and Bilbo and Gandalf go off at the end of The Lord of the Rings. Uh, and, and so elves are supposed to go back there eventually. That's that's where they belong in the end, and that's also where they go when they die. If they're some of them get reincarnated, but they all go to do at least the halls of Mandos when they die. If that's too much, it's okay. Here's the next important part: Can you go back from Valinor? Usually not. Uh, very rarely are elves sent back from Valinor. Uh, the Noldor went against the will of the Valar, the, the gods. Uh, and that is one of the reasons that they're on the bad side of the Valar for a really long time. Uh, Galadriel was one of the Noldor that went against the will of, of the Valar, but she didn't do the extra bad stuff of the Noldor, so she's not, like, totally banned. Uh, it's it's a little hazy in the writings. But anyway, can you go back? Usually not. Glorfindel was sent back. Uh, he, he was actually the guy who helped out Frodo cross the lake in Lord of the Rings in the books instead of Arwen. Uh, so, so there's that. If you have any other questions, though, Josh, feel free to follow up. So, with the um, what was interesting was um, that it was being granted to them as a boon uh, and as a reward for their service, um, it, which sort of indicates that like there is some way for the elf leadership to communicate with the with the Valinor or or has some sort of connection because like are they handing out passes that is a great question and and I talked about this before Aaron got on but basically the Noldor were not welcome back for a while (laughs) unless they die because then they you know they go back but uh it, it, it was a whole thing, and Galadriel's whole journey in The Lord of the Rings is coming to peace with, I, I don't desire my own realm anymore. I don't desire power anymore. I'm ready to go back. So I was a little... I, that was the one thing that peeved me a little bit. Right. Um, as far as a departure from lore. Uh, just because it messes with character arc. Uh, but, in general... Where am I going with this? <laughs> <laughs> I went on too far of a tangent. That's um, right. Yeah, so in general, Galadriel uh, and, and other people should be invited back by the Valar, not by the elves. And so, yes, I did think that was pretty weird, too. Okay. Got I've got an observation about Galadriel, and then I'm going to uh, I'm going to bounce. Boy, does that okay. lady know how to pull on a rope? <laughs> she just... See, there's not a problem on a boat she can't solve by pulling on a goddamn rope. She claps on a line and she pulls and that boat steers true. I couldn't I was like I was like 
this is unintentionally funny how she just keeps randomly tugging this thing and then letting it go and tugging this <laughs> thing and letting it go. It was, it was, I, man, it was cracking me up as a, as an amateur sailor myself. Like she was just tugging on that thing. Yeah, it was pretty silly. I, I did notice that too. And then they made a big uh, play of her being dragged down by the rope and that perfectly coiled rope that Halbrand could watch <laughs> as it yeah. went down. Yeah. They also like their underwater see, shots. How he got so tangled up on her from that lightning strike, man. That yeah. was crazy, crazy stuff. I, I just got to say, before you leave, Aaron, you got to answer this question from Lila in chat. Who would okay. win, Gendry and his rowboat or Galadriel swimming? <laughs> well, since Galadriel, as an elf, just I don't think she would ever get tired. Like, they don't ever physically get <laughs> tired, right? Like an elf. But neither does Gendry. Oh, that's, well... See, I think Gendry actually, as jacked and, sw- and and yoked as he is, he would he would eventually ha- uh, run into even superhuman Baratheon levels of endurance are not going to match up to, you know, one the high elves. So I think she's going <laughs> to be able to uh, out breaststroke him. She was swimming. Oh, you strong. have your answer, Layla. Yeah. No, she was swimming I thought strong. About He's like, fuck it, middle of the ocean. I don't care. I'll swim. Yeah, I got time. They really, they really did give us a lot from the trailers. A lot of the trailer material and teaser material was really front loaded in these two uh, episodes. Which I love, I love to see, I love to see that because that shows that uh, uh, you know there's a lot more mystery to come, and it shows a certain amount of confidence. It also is a great way to like get you know economize uh, you, you know the most amount of post production you probably have done at that point. And it's a quick way to pay off the fans really fast. Like, oh, there's that scene. Oh, there's that scene. And then we feel like, oh, good. Like, I'm not waiting for, you know, episode nine for that shot to pay off. So, little fan servicey. I got to get out of here, guys. Uh, Good luck. And uh, we'll have uh, the full cast out sometime tomorrow for on the Jim and A-Rod of it all. You guys are heroes for backing it up like that. That's uh, amazing. But you've got Sunday night uh, hot D, so... Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a wild ride these next couple weeks. <laughs> Pretty awesome. Thanks All for right, stopping Aaron, by. Before Aaron. you go, can you just tell oh. us what day is the feedback cast coming up? Because we didn't know the feedback cast, uh, or is there a feedback cast? Oh no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's coming out for so Friday is the full cast. Monday will be the feedback. No, Monday is your lore Monday's podcast. Us. Wednesday yeah. is the feedback podcast. Got it. Wednesday. Great. So similar, similar cadence to Game of Thrones. Right, and that's R-O-P at baldmove.com to send in feedback. All right. All right, have a good night. Good night. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Aaron. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. John Harfoots. Harfoots. How are you Harfoots. feeling? Harfoots. Okay, you know that I had a lot of apprehension about these guys going yep. in. Um, it was better than I thought it would be. Agreed. Some of the lines seemed a little cringe. I did love them just like packing up their camp in three seconds. That was awesome. Right. Uh, the, that like hidden camp in the woods. That was cool. Because it is true, if you look back at the, the Harfoot history, the very little we have from the prologue of the Lord of the Rings, 
uh, they were more nomadic at first and then eventually become the, the hobbit hole kind of creatures. Um, but but so I liked them better than I thought I would. I, I really like Nori as a character. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Very very Bagginsy, you know, or, or Tookish maybe. Uh, you, you know, a little more adventurous right. than uh, her people. So that was pretty cool. Also, a nice uh, link to Samwise's daughter Eleanor. So that's you know we're we're, we're keeping it in the family and, and doing a little reference tied to the Lord of the Rings. So I, I like them. What do you think about them? I was really uh, girding myself as well for them to be cringe, but they pulled it off somehow. And I think the way they did that was by not infantilizing their dialogue, but actually having Mm -hmm. them to be intelligent, uh, well-articulate, knowledgeable about uh, who they are, what they do, how they do things. And they didn't try to make them silly in, in... other ways. They gave them the physical humor and they gave them the 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 the, the costuming and all of that kind of stuff as the sort of this um you know uh, um uh, I don't know what to say like you know stuff that would definitely attract the attention of of children. I know my daughter would probably, you know, love um seeing them. Um but they didn't dumb them down. And by giving them us a, a very straight um uh and confident group of people who speak well and who you see um, um, uh, well the masters of their domains, I, I felt that that counterbalanced all of the other stuff that they did. So I'm feeling a little bit more confident. I was listening to the um, Rings of Power wrap-up podcast, which is produced by the Prancing Pony uh, guys, and uh, they did a, a some setup episodes on uh, the different factions within uh, the Rings of Power, and on I the last we had one, a monopoly on setup episodes. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, us. unfortunately not. It's a free economy. But they talked a lot about how Hobbit. They're apparently, uh, I, as not the book reader, I, I can't speak to this. And you, you might be able to more so. But there is quite a detailed history of how hobbits, the hobbits came to settle the Shire and by oh, yeah. certain dates where they were in certain locations. And so uh, it'll be really interesting to see how the showrunners match the storylines to that to see if we, if we actually at the end of this, after the end of the five seasons, are – the, um, are the Harfoots settled in the Shire or near the Shire or, or where they're supposed to be at the in the timeline? Yes. Uh, it, it's mostly in the prologue of The Lord of the Rings, but there's information on the Hobbits in the uh, the appendices as well. Um, we have a couple other comments in here. Uh, some some comment, uh, the Wizards, Brooklyn MD is asking about Wizards. They come in the Third Age. So there's a conflict in the writings. Uh, it, it seems most of the wizards definitely came in the Third Age. Uh, the blue wizards may have come in the Second Age. So that is a, uh, a sort of gray area that they can play with. Uh, they could also just break canon and bring a wizard in that came in the Third Age into the Second Age. Which really brings in the, the, the mystery of the mystery man or meteor man, the stranger, is he a wizard of some kind? Is he of uh, of uh, I want to I almost call him Galron, uh, Sauron or Gandalf's <laughs> um, uh, ilk? Uh, and there's the blue wizard theory, which you, you love. I've been trending Radagast, um, mm-hmm. but it's hard to it's hard to say at this point because they really are um, they are intentionally creating a mystery around him, and they're giving us Sauron vibes as well as wizard vibes. 
Yeah, so he comes out speaking Quenya only. Right. That says he comes from the West to me. I mean, they, that could be a deception of Sauron, uh, but but I think that it's it's somebody from the West. It's probably one of the Istari. Really quick. Uh, that uh, Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to uh, tangent uh, really quick to another question, but finish your thought if you had one. No, no, go ahead. Um, Brooklyn MD asked uh, really quickly, what do you guys think was in Durin's box? Mithril. Um, this is this... Uh, I definitely um, think that that's Mithril... That's what they made. Um, that's what uh, uh, Frodo's uh, uh, armor chainmail vest, vest was made yeah. out of, and I think this is going to be the basis. And this is what um, uh, Durin, King Durin, was saying to his son Prince Durin at the end. There, oh, do you think it's just coincidence that Elrond is showing up on our doorstep right when we discover this mystery substance? And that's going to be mm. Mithril, which is also going to be the downfall of, of the dwarves as written in the stories. Spoiler alert. It's the economy, stupid. <laughs> that's right. Um, so what did we think? Uh, one of the things that we haven't talked about yet is the Southlands. And mm-hmm. the uh, storyline with uh, uh, Bronlin and uh, Arondir. Yeah, uh, so that's all new stuff. I mean, we, we do know that there's men in the Southlands and that it was once settled before it was Mordor. But I, I think uh, I think it was uh, Nerd of the Rings who coined the term before door. Is that it? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, and we got it through Comrade Rosa was the one who, yes, who brought it yes. to us. Thanks, comrade. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I love that term. And, and so I think we're seeing before door. I think we're seeing sort of the rot come in uh, with Sauron. And like I said in the beginning, uh, Sauron and his boss Morgoth were based in the north. So there's no reason for Galadriel or anyone else to be looking in the south for him. Uh, so, so that's why it's sort of a perfect place to set up shop. So here's... Um Here's a question that I have, too, that leads me to think that Meteor Man isn't Sauron. Obviously, I could be wrong on this, but if if evil is marshalling in the Southlands and they're going to displace the people that are down there and Bronwyn's son has Sauron's sword um, – and here's Meteor Man, uh, and he's disoriented and, and confused – who's who's driving the orcs and who's driving the evil in the south and i'm not saying that that's evidence against meteor man not being uh sauron but there's a missing link there as to who is in the south that is marshalling those forces and directing those orcs to be tunneling and and doing all the other things that they're doing and i think wasn't there um who is one of the I'm blanking the name that you told me. And, um, the one of the early orcs, or somebody who, who is a, a early creature of some kind that helped create orcs, first brother or something like that. Uh, I, I don't know. Morgoth created the orcs out of out of elves, uh, or, or that that's one version. That's the canon one in the Silmarillion. But there's also Tolkien wrestled with that later. But okay. we don't have to go too deep into that now. But yeah, I don't. Right. I'm not sure what you're referring to. We'll we'll okay. have to discuss this later. Uh, but the point being is is that there's a missing link in the south. If if Sauron's not there doing you know and directing the that 
those forces and, and that development, then there's somebody else down there who is. And so it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see if we have sort of a bad guy lieutenant down there. Yes, uh, I, I agree. And I think Sauron is, by definition, just obsessed with order and so he is very good at organization okay and uh you know he's got a he's got a very organized army if nothing else now one of his flaws is he doesn't tell people what he's looking for when he's looking for the ring so he's he's uh an information hoarder but he does organize armies really well like he he coordinated all these attacks on different areas in the third age so uh i i I don't think that it's a total deal breaker that he's not directly there uh to have it be organized in the south but it still could be Sauron, I guess, as Meteor Man. I just, I think it would be cooler if it was something else. Yeah, I hope so too. What did you make of um, the blade uh, that um, I'm blanking uh, Bronwyn's son's name? Theo. Theo. Uh, yeah, I, I it's don't just, know much about it. They, it's, it's a uh, little mystery box there. It's just they, they found it in some farmer's uh, hidden stash. And uh, gosh, he's got like one of the most powerful uh, weapons um, in the land. Adar the Fallen Elf, Layla says. Thanks for the assist. Uh, yes. Where is that? In which chat? In, uh, let's see. We got in, cha- in uh, season one, episode got one. Got it. Adar the Fallen. Uh, That's chat. it. Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, so thank you for that assist. Uh, we also have some more chats in the spoiler discussion and hype. Uh, it was, uh, how did Elrond and Celebrimbor teleport to Khazadum? <laughs> so this is a confusing thing. So Eregion is bordered by Khazadum. Right, like they right are there. next door to each other. An interesting thing, too, I meant to comment on is they are calling all of these large regions by their region names and their country names rather than their city name. Like, Austin Edel is the capital of Eregion. Uh-huh. Yet, they're like, Elrond's like, yeah, I'll meet you back in Eregion. That's a pretty big area. So I think that they're just trying to simplify some things and uh, and say, like, okay, they could just know the major area. They don't have to know every city. Right, and that's a... the the I was listening to the, the Ringer podcast where they had... Um, um, what's his name on from the um, uh, Game of Thrones? Um, Brian... Uh, I can't think of his name right now. Cogman. Yeah. yeah. And he was talking about the choices that uh, showrunners and writers have to make in compressing things and when to mm-hmm. dole out information. And so, like, he was referring to with Lord of the Rings, there was a conversation that's uh, had in the books very early on, but then they displaced that conversation to uh, in front of um, the Mines of Moria and uh, and made it a more impactful thing there. So how you break up information and you, how, how you either spread out information or compress information is a really uh, difficult part of, of producing a show like this. And so I really appreciated how they were moving the maps around for us to giving us some locations and some some visuals on the words. And I don't think it's a bad idea to then collapse regions and capital titles at the same time because otherwise you're trying to track too much information. So I don't I think that's a really good choice actually. Yeah, I agree. And you know, it's funny we've abandoned the maps in House of the Dragon <laughs> and uh, now we've got maps in Lord of the Rings. And I, I think it works really well. I think it worked well too. And it was very interesting. The the first episode uh, tonight, we had a cold open, a title card, and then we went into the rest of the episode. And then episode two, we actually had our title, our, our um, opening credit sequence, 
which I thought was really interesting. And I commented to, to my spouse as we were watching. I said, this reminds me of musical vibrations, vibrating, you know, stuff. And then that made me think of uh, Eru's, um, the, the whole conversation of the symphony and mm-hmm. in, in the creation of the world according to the creator god is this grand musical um, uh, performance if you will and then those sound waves vibrating on that um, that surface causing those shapes and patterns to appear that's the kind of vibe that i got from it yeah uh that's a good way to put that uh we also have a question from brooklyn md Mm. uh i missed the beginning of this did you guys talk about the changes to finrod's backstory all right so this is this is a deep lore thing this is going to take a while to unpack we are going to do a full finrod breakdown in our lore cast coming out monday so stay tuned for that um i will say this they have refocused him as this uh singular-minded uh, you know, Sauron Hunter. And I, I don't think that that's super accurate as to his characterization, but as far as the thousands of years he was alive and founding kingdoms and fighting Morgoth and fighting Sauron as a as proxy of Morgoth and helping Baron and Luthien, it's a ton of stuff to compress. How do you do that in a few minutes in a cold open? I think it's fine to say he's just hunting Sauron that's his enemy because it's it's true it's just an oversimplification they they um i i think they did a pretty good job too in compressing the relationship with his sister and um and giving her his emotional inertia or emotional energy and then giving that as her motivation for um doing what she's doing and i thought that they they took what is very uh, long and <laughs> thousands of years of history and bam, they gave it to us in a cold open and they set up our main protagonist. That was a, just a great cold open. Yeah. And uh, it was really nice to see yeah, the, the elven children running around there. And, and I think we had called, that was one of our early calls on, on when we were trying to divine what was happening in some of these thing, uh, trailers was that like, oh, well, maybe this is a flashback to Galadriel's uh, childhood. And that's what it was. So hey. oh, I had a gloat moment. I totally forgot. Oh, yeah. I was like, I was like, I have to gloat about this call later. <laughs> and I totally forgot about it. So well, whatever. If you don't have your uh, ticket, uh, you, we can't redeem your Internet points. I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. I, I've lost my internet points. Non-refundable. Bring your receipts, friends. Bring your receipts. <laughs> All right, John. All right. We're, we're about 50 minutes into this. I'm exhausted. I feel like I've run a yeah, marathon this week. They have flooded. I'm trying to keep track of Twitter and all the new stuff that was going on and, and everything. I uh, Besides life and, and work and everything else, I feel like I've run a marathon. And uh, But really, we've only just begun our marathon. Um so this was great. Thank you, everyone, who stopped by uh, for some or all of this. Uh, we hope you enjoyed uh, using this new uh, Discord feature. Um, John, clothing, clothing, clothing thoughts, uh, closing thoughts at the end of a very long evening. I'm excited for next week. Uh, let's see what time they actually release it next week, and oh maybe we'll talk about doing this again. Uh, why don't we tentatively commit to if they release it earlier in the night and not at midnight, right. uh, we, we will probably do it. But if not, if it's at midnight, I can't do that. They really kept the 9 o'clock schedule. Like, everybody was waiting for it to drop early, and it was like, nope, it was 9 o'clock. So, um, Yeah, yeah. 
My, let's see, let's just check the chat one more time. Thank you guys. So awesome. You guys rock. Thank you guys, everyone, for uh, showing up tonight. We really appreciate um, the love and the support. And we're super excited to be on this journey with you. I feel very confident that we're going to have a luscious, um, heart-rending story. And I thought that the whole thing that Galadriel's brother was talking about at the beginning. And I wonder if this is some of what the showrunners pull. I, I don't know if this is in the books or not, but that the boat looks up and the, and the stone looks down. And I think that's something that's always been embedded in Tolkien's work is that it's uplift. Ultimately, it's uplifting. And ultimately, it's, it's uh, got some strong positive messaging. And um, I feel like we're going to get that. And so I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing um, the rest of this season. Yeah, great closing thoughts over there. Great. John, right. thank you, uh, as always, for being my partner in this. Uh, Jim and Aaron, thank you. Bald Move community, thank you. We will be recording our Lorecast tomorrow, and that'll be out Monday. Jim and Aaron will have a full episode breakdown tomorrow, and then the feedback will be out uh, about Wednesday next week. Uh, if you're on the Discord, you know where we're at. Uh, otherwise, uh, hit us up uh, secondage at baldmove.com because uh, we'll be taking some of the feedback and lore questions off the um, off the uh, inbox out of the inbox of uh, of Jim and Aaron. So please feel free to send in your lore questions to us. And otherwise, uh, we'll see you here in the Discord. Everyone, good night. Thank you, John. Thanks, David. Good night. Good night. The Second Age Podcast is produced by the Lorehounds and published by Bald Move. You can send questions and feedback about this podcast to secondage at baldmove.com. For more Rings of Power content, subscribe to Doug Too Deep on your favorite podcast app. Ad-free versions of this and all other Bald Move podcasts can be yours by going to patreon.com slash baldmove. Check the show notes for reading recommendations and more info. Thanks for listening. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond.